0: It's our prayer that this message from God's word will deeply impact your life.
1: Well, did anyone anyone notice a new face up on the worship team this morning? Anyone notice? I mean, we have lots of new faces. A few people know. We have an intern with us. Everybody give a nice wave. And why don't we welcome Rachel. (laughs) Rachel is... Uh, Rachel is a Bible college student at Masters College and Seminary, which is our Bible college that we, we support, and we send financial support, and we regularly have interns coming from there, and she will be with us for the next 12 weeks. And you need to pray for her, because she's living with a very difficult family to live with. Um, she's She's living with us. She's <laughs> uh, So, so uh, uh, just, make it, just be, uh, if, if you see her around, make her feel welcome. She served into our kids' ministries last week. The youth know her because she'll be with our youth on Fridays, and she'll be working regularly with Heather into our worship ministries. We are going to give her a couple of experiences in the other campuses as well, so she'll be here probably eight or nine, eight or nine of the weeks here. But if you see her, get to know her and just say hello and thank you. We're excited to have you with us. So if you missed... Last Sunday, uh, just a quick update from, from last Sunday. Doug has fired Amanda and I, but has pivoted quickly and landed with Daniel. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> last, Sunday, last Sunday, Pastor Doug announced that uh, over the last couple of months, he's been speaking with Amanda and I and asking us if we would consider stepping up into a role to um, become his uh, senior associate and be working with all of our campuses to ensure we, we know we have an amazing Group, an amazing family that we experience every week and day by day, really, here in our small groups and in our ministries. And we love what we have been experiencing so much. And we, we wanted you to know, and we said this last Sunday if it were just about us and what we experience, we would never even consider this role. But we recognize that um, this is an opportunity to continue to expand the ministries, not only of Portico, but of the church. And we're going to be able to partner with another church that has gone through a period of some brokenness and, and, and some hurt. And we're going to be able to continue to expand what God is doing in our region. So Amanda and I, um, after a long time of prayer and consideration, agreed to do that. And so practically, a lot of people have asked the question, so what does that mean? Are you guys moving over to be campus pastors there? And No, we, we only want to be campus pastors here. We're not, we're not doing that. But we will be uh, hands-on, intricately involved for the next um, phase of time. And that may look like we would be there on a week-by-week basis for the first season of time. It may be that we'd be here sometimes and there and there sometimes. We really don't know yet because Pastor Doug and our elders are over there this Sunday. They made the announcement to their congregation last Sunday, and so they're just trying to figure out what that will look like. And we have people from Portico considering would they help start a new campus. We have people from that church, Discovery Church, that have been journeying together and going through this period of hurt, and they're trying to discover would they want to be a part of this new merger adoption that uh, will, will be going on. So. Um, please do be praying for it. Where Where does God, we are asking everyone in our church, this was the main message coming out of last Sunday, everyone in the church, consider where has God called you to serve? Where has God called you to lead? And if that means that it, is asking a transition, whether you serve in ministry somewhere he 's asking you to serve somewhere else for some of our people they 've been driving to another city and going to another campus, and we 're asking maybe god 's asking you to consider coming here and in fact, actually, after last sunday 's message in Mississauga, there were four or five families that said we 've been driving right past the Milton campus for a couple of years, and we have no why we 've been doing that, so we have no idea why we 've been doing that, so they 've committed to be joining us, and we said, of course. I think that means they like Daniel more than they like me, but I'm not going to take that personally uh, offended. But if, if you do have questions, please ask us, and we don't have specifics because we just don't know. The campus will launch April 1st, and over the next few months, we'll be having more and more answers to those questions, and do go back and watch the video. It's just It was a short message last Sunday. It'll take you 15 minutes. It's like an hour and a bit, but make <laughs> but do go on and and we do want to. I want to say thank you to our tech team that was serving really hard last week. There was a poor file that was uploaded, and that's why the video was uh, a little bit. Um, there was another file that they were working with, and the video and the audio were off. But there is a clean version that is uploaded on the website now. So please go in and do watch that video. But one of the things that we did do last last Sunday is we did kick off our series on how to thrive, and we're looking on what we might need to do to thrive as individuals, as a church, and as, and, and as families. And as we learned last week, it might cause us to consider some changes to the way we live and act. And we thought, why don't we jump right into finances? Because who doesn't love a church talk about money, right? We all love, all love church talks about money. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the system that God created for us for managing our personal financial words, uh, worlds. And, you know, and for many of us, Numbers, budgets, finances are very scary, especially when we look at the cost of housing in this region. I have conversations with people all the time. They're like, we love it here. I can't buy a house here. I don't know if I can live here. When we look at the cost of what we spend on insurance, you know that Canadians are the most highly insured group of people in the world, and those numbers seem to be going up not down. And, w- and when we compare our, the numbers that we're supposed to make on our paycheck, the, that gross number, and then we come down to the net number, we're like, oh my gosh, what, what did I actually take in? It's, it, it, it starts to scare us. And we want to show you just a real quick video that may give you an insight into how you may want to f- um, uh, you manage your pi- personal financial world. And if you could kind of swing this, this would make things a lot easier for you. So these, this is just a little hint and tip about finances. So just go ahead and try and negotiate with your bank. If you, if you don't like how much you're paying rent or mortgage, you just figure it out. And there's lots of creative ways to do finances. You know that the Bible lays out a system for us about how we are supposed to manage our finances, and the, the majority of us, we have our own system. We say that this is the way that I'm going to manage my finances. First, we look, what are the things that I want to purchase? We need to make sure we leave room in there for motorcycles. We have a whole motorcycle gang here. I don't know if you knew that, but there's four or five guys. You see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have. You need to have room for the things you want to buy, your, your vehicles, your new iPhone X, the trips to Hawaii. We look at what bills we have left outstanding from last year, and we make sure we have enough room to pay our taxes and enough room in the bank that we're going to be able to pay if we're having to pay when it comes tax time, and then if there's anything left over, we look, well, I guess we could save that, and it's at this point that we consider being generous with what is left, and many of you have just gone through a process of budgeting for 2018, and the credit, this was Blue Monday this past week, where the credit card bills came in, and it was negative 30, and we're, we're all getting very, very stressed about our finances, and so, so then we start to put boxes around what we're going to do with each part of our paycheck. And that, that actually is not anything about what generosity means. To be, to be generous is to give over and above what is normal or expected or what is common. And we often leave it to, well, what am I going to do with what's left over at the end of my paycheck? And so this morning what we're going to do is we are going to look at the biblical system for finances, and it's going to challenge us to consider reordering how we manage our personal finances and look at what it would look like to be generous and live by the biblical system for giving and for honoring God. Now this can easily become an uncomfortable discussion when we start talking about money in the church because we're already struggling to meet the expenses that we have. We recognize the world we live in. And for some of us, we don't like the idea about the church talking about, well, how much should you be giving to yourself? That's an uncomfortable conversation. And the wonderful thing is that my role is changing in the next few months, so if you're offended, just wait me out and I'll be gone and somebody else will be here. But (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the book of Leviticus, and every good message about finances needs texts from Leviticus, the books of law and rules and numbers, and and God was setting up the nation in this book though, and he was talking about what are the systems, what are the rhythms you need to put in place so that you will thrive as not only a country, but you will thrive as my chosen people, and he challenged them, and one of the festivals we're going to look at, or the festival we're going to look at this morning is the Festival of First fruit so if you want to go if you have your bibles open them up we're going to go to leviticus chapter 23 it is the uh, fourth book of the bible and it's one that not a lot of us do a lot of reading out of because sometimes it gets into a lot of rules it gets into a lot of lists it gets into a lot of things we don't understand but there are some there are some foundational principles that we can extract that still do apply to our world today we're going to be taking uh, some texts out of uh, chapter 23 verses 9 through 14. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you, and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. And remember, in this culture, um, wealth could have been represented in animals, wealth could have been represented in farming, wealth could have been represented in money. There were, but it was more. There was definitely more property based than it was gold based or money based." skip ahead to verse 14, do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to God. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. And if you're taking notes, the first thought we want to take down is that we need to prioritize giving to God. And it says right in there in, that, in, that for, in verse 10, we're going to take the offering from the first cutting from your grain of harvest. Now we have a picture of, of a field, of, uh, a farm field, and this would be like an overhead shot. This is somewhere out on the prairies. But we know that um, if you talk with farmers, the best crops are not going to be found on the edges. The best crops are probably going to be found in these central fields where there's protection from elements, where there's protection from animals, and it starts to grow center out. And so they would say, When your harvest, when the harvest is ready, go to the very center, take what's best, take what came out first, and then bring that to the temple, and that'll be offered not only as worship, but that'll be offered for the church and the priests to function on for themselves to eat. And actually, not too much has changed since then. The church stops every Sunday and we receive an offering and we request that people would consider giving generously. And the Bible has a standard of giving for a follower of Jesus, says, give 10%, would you trust me with 10% of what you earn? And the church functions, we operate on a system of generosity. You know, if you, if you come to our general business meetings, if you look at our finances, Portico operates on a budget of two and a half to $3 million every year. And we do it for our buildings, it's how we leave services, it's how we care for people, it's how we run kids and youth programs, it's how we have dinners for seniors on Wednesday nights, and it's how, it's how we do business. It's, we encourage people to say, would you give, would you be generous? And the church can only thrive when people, remember, we are a church, it, it's not an organization, we are a church, and the church only thrives when people decide to make it thrive. Think about this. If you want healthy kids programs, like if you want great kids programs, we want the best teaching and the best leaders. Well, how do we do that? Somebody decides in our church, they go, I can offer something. I want want to volunteer in there. That's how we have great healthy kids programs. If we want a healthy church organization, you and I make a decision, I'm going to give generously and sacrificially to the church to make sure that we have our best and all of the bills and needs are covered and then all of the outreach that we, the ministry that we say the reason why we exist, that's how we thrive. We're not selling coffee back there. I make the coffee many Sundays. It's not great. If we were selling coffee, we would would not we would not be doing all that well. We we don't have DVDs of our services that we sell. We only do as well as the people who are the church decide to make us do well. And that includes us as staff members. We are we are given a salary and then we say, "Now it's up to you, would you give generously back on the salary that you're given just like every other person who is a part" of this church, because even as a staff member, it's no different. We are a part of a church that's saying, would you consider living by the principles that God established when he established his first country? And the best times in the church's history, not not Portico, but the churches worldwide, our our ancestors, looking all over through generations, through countries, has been when God's people have decided to make giving their resources their priority. In fact, if you go back Into Exodus, when Moses was arranging the people and saying, We need to build a tabernacle, we need to build a place of worship, and we need to establish this system while they're out in the desert. If you go to uh, chapter 36, verse 5, it says that the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord that is commanded to be done. And I wish I could stand up here. I'm happy to report we are no longer receiving offerings because you've been so generous. So just please stop giving for the rest of 2018. We don't need any more offerings. That would be a joke. I'll be fired. Not not that you care anymore, right? But no, <laughs> we, Doug, intru- Doug introduced um, the topic of, we're gonna have a an, an 100% Sunday, the the Power of Everyone Sunday, on Sunday, February 25th. Put this in your calendars, put this in your phone. Is We're gonna say, what would it look like if everyone who is saying, I'm a part of this church, I'm, I am I'm, um, may not be a member, but I'm somebody that's committed here, I'm, I want to be here. What would it look like if we all attended We all gave a representative 10% of what we make. So if we give over and above, if if sometimes we only give once a month, we say, for this one Sunday, would you just give 10% of what you make? What would it look like if we all attended, we all gave, and we all found our place where we would serve? What would that look like on a week-to-week basis if we lived to that standard? That'll be Sunday, February the 25th. And many people will complain you know, I run, out of, I run out of time for things. I run out of, of money for things. But the truth is, we all have time and we all have money for the things that we prioritize. Most of us have some time and some money for some things that we could look at if we were to be honest with ourselves and we would say, you know, that's actually a bit of a frivolous spend. I don't, I don't need that. Or that's a, I invest my time here. I like it. I don't necessarily need it. But it's a matter of creating priority. And God created an economy that is based on a system of giving to him, which looks like this, bring the first fruit, the absolute best and first that we earn, that we make, and give it to him first. And the church, we thrive financially when, our, when people who are the church decide to make it thrive. Which leads to our next thought, is that we need to not only prioritize giving to God, but we have to be intentional with our generosity, so to be generous is to give over and above what the entry level of generosity is, which is the expectation, the 10%, the tithe. So not only were the people of Israel expected to take the first 10% of what they made, the center of their crop, right off the bat, and give that to God, then they were to make intentional plans to give over and above and be generous to support people who had less than they did. We go up to verse 22. When in, this is still in chapter 23. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field nor shall you gather any gleaning from the harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger, because I am the Lord your God. Let's, let's go back to that image again. And we said, so the first, the first crop right here, we're, we're going to take this 10%, and we're going to give this right to the church. And then God said, these pieces over here, where there's like a laneway and a walkway, Don't reap any of those as well. These are the extras. These would have been the pieces that wouldn't have been... I mean, there could have been some animals came at it, so you couldn't have harvested it the same way. They wouldn't have grown with the same health... But these are extras that normally people who weren't living in, in Israel, they would have used that for, well, I could use that for extra. I could use that to give to somebody. But God was saying, no, this stuff just leaves specifically so that anybody who doesn't have as much as you do, they could walk by and they could just pick it, and they could use it, and they could, they could eat it. It became part of their economy to leave the extras. And you might say, if I'm going to look at my finances, trust me, there is absolutely no extra at all. <laughs> like, like, I'm learning how to prioritize giving to God, and there is absolutely no extra. In fact, I would be the one who is in need of extra. Let's put this in perspective. If you make $40,000 in your home, you are one of the top 1% earners in our world. 40, 000, if you take in $40,000 Canadian a year, you're in the top 1% earners of the entire world. Now, obviously, we live in an expensive society, and the difference between our... If you only take home 40000 a year, your expendable income for the costs of our society is not, would not put you in the top 99% or, or above 99% of other people in the world. But it does put you above 90% of people in the world. The expendable income that you have earning $40,000 living in Canada puts you in the top 10% with expendable income. And we find it easy to complain, but let's go through our complaints. Are most of our complaints about the basic needs of life or are most of our complaints about the extras that we wish we had that we could do more things with? Like, I had to cancel my data and I'm stuck with an old Galaxy or an old 5C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I do, I know I have that. It's, is, that, a, is, that a, is that a complaint about a frivolous or an extra or is that a complaint about the basic needs of life? I'm driving around this old 2002 Civic and, and I see my neighbors driving around this brand new Lincoln. My, I've never been able to travel to somewhere else in the world. My holidays are only we go to the lake and we go camping as a family. You know that actually the homes that we have compared to the world make us royalty. Our homes are palaces. Travel around the world, like most of you who are world travelers, you know we live in palaces. And the coat that we would discard this winter is ten times the coat that somebody will ever purchase. And if you go to the book of Mark, Jesus was trying to teach this principle to, um, to his followers and people that were at the temple. And there was, this, there was this widow that came and she gave just a little, it would have, been, it would have met, uh, amounted to a couple of cents in their economy. And he complimented her and said, she gave more. He, he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more, more. Because in God's economy, there is no income level that is required to be the entry point to participate in generosity. It's we all look at our finances and we say, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give right off the bat, I'm going to prioritize giving to God, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to give generously. And amount doesn't matter. It's about ordering our personal worlds and ordering our systems so that we prioritize God and we're intentional with being generous. The reflection question for ourselves this morning is, how intentional are we with our extras? When we sit down to plan out our household expenses, are we planning to be creative about how we give and what extra we had? Over the course of the, and this isn't only with our finances. We see this was with grain here. This is with everything that we have that God has given us to steward. Over the course of of Amanda and I's life, we've had, I don't know how many people we've had come and live with us. We've had a number of people come and live with us. Why? Because there was another room in our house, and when there was somebody, there was a Bible college student, there was some other student, or somebody that needed just out of their house. We we said, you know what? You can come and live with us, and we don't. We're not interested in charging rent, and uh, we just we we recognize there's another space in our house. So come on and live with us. Some people they'll say when they're trading in their car, they're like, I could get. A few hundred dollars back on this car, but instead, I'm just going to donate this car somewhere else because I'm stewarding the resource that God has given me so that somebody who needs it could move on from that. Sometimes we, it's, it depends on if we're a business person, what we're, what we're charging for our services. How intentional are we with the extras that God has given us to steward? Because when we begin to manage our extra with generosity, two unbelievable, amazing things happen. For the, the first off is that the personal re- reward, it just feels, it just feels wonderful. There, there's, there's nothing as beautiful as knowing that you have done something intentionally and something sacrificial so that another human being would benefit and it doesn't bring you any benefit. That's just, that's just a gift that God gives to us. But the second thing is that God begins to bless. Proverbs 11 and 25, here's the promise. A generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes other people will be refreshed. Now we need to understand, especially with Proverbs, it's not a one-for-one economy, it's a principle. It's not that every dollar we invest in God's kingdom or in another person will be given to us right back. But I trust that what the Bible says is true. And I can say from personal experience, we have lived through many seasons of life where we've had two jobs. We lived through a season of life where we had half a job. And in each of those seasons, we've said we will prioritize giving to God the 10%, and we will give over and above. And God has been a faithful God to us through every one of those seasons of life as we've given to him. And there are times when we have driven the 10-year-old car and times when we haven't driven the 10-year-old car. But as we've said, God, we're going to live by your system. We're going to see how faithful you're going to be. We interviewed a couple from the church this week, and want to show you their story about how they began to change their idea about giving and their idea about their own personal financial world after they went through a program called CAP. And we're running a cap course right now. If you're interested in being involved in that, there's details in the bulletin. But watch their story and be considering how do I manage my personal financial world.
0: So back in 2009, uh, Alfred had already been retired for about seven years. And I knew that I wanted to retire by January 2011. But we didn't know how we would do that because he had a lot of consumer debt at the time. But the one thing we agreed on is that we did not want me to go into retirement with all that debt hanging over us. At that time, Portugal offered a financial course, a 13-week course, which we decided that would be a good thing for us to do. And so that course offered a number of strategies that would help us, out of, help us get out of debt. So we signed up for the course in September of 2009. and It was challenging at first, I wasn't quite on board, but Alfred was, but we got through it. We completed the course and in doing so we developed the discipline that was needed to live by a budget. We became debt free in January 2011 and I also retired the same month. And here we are now in 2018 and we're still living by the same principles that we learned. Through
1: that course, and they won't—they won't go on to—they won't go on to tell you because a a humble couple. But this is a couple that, in this—in this course, one of the teaches it. One of the things it uh, teaches you is not only budget, but first, where are we giving our tithe? And this is a couple that one retired, one retiring, and in the last season of their life, figured out how to get out of debt, but also how to honor God with their finances first. And I'm not a financial expert, but on this this Tuesday, all throughout this series, we're going to be offering seminars on Tuesday evenings um, that relate to what we're talking about on Sunday. So if you if you are interested in learning more about budgeting, financial management, RRSPs, and honoring God with your finances and managing the budget, then you're going to want to come out on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. It's at the Mississauga campus, and we'll have a few professionals from our congregation who'll be there to put on a seminar, but also talk with a. Bu- Talk with you personally about how you can uh, take some steps to personally f- uh, order your financial world. It's practical help, but it's from a biblical perspective. So mark that on your calendar if you're, if you're interested in that. But how intentional are you with the way that you manage your resources? I'm going to ask our band if we would come back. Because our last one is that we need to trust that God, God will provide. The amazing thing is that God has set up a system that, that provides for, for everybody. That God sets up... <laughs> God cares enough about you and I and us as a church that the system that he has created means that each of us will have enough. And sometimes we become the beneficiary of a, macu- of a miraculous provision of God. And we could, go through, we could go through people's stories today and we could see where God provided completely unexpectedly. I remember I learned this when I was 18 years old. I had I had a Geo Metro. Anybody remember the Geo Metro? Three-cylinder little car. Anybody? Yeah, it was a wonderful thing. When when we had people in the back seat, we could not get up hills. We had to bring it down a gear because <laughs> I love that car. I think it cost me $1,700. But I was I was super proud to have my own car. And I was sitting in a service like this, and I I remember. It was some offering, and if you go to like Pentecostal conventions and things like that, they can preach on for offering all the time. They like, have an offering message and then a message, and it's it's crazy. But but, what they, but I, I remember the guy speaking. He was talking about kids who were cold and didn't have coats in, in Quebec, and how many coats did we have, and you have money there, and you're just going to go to Wendy's and spend your money on Wendy's, and there's going to be kids freezing in Quebec, and you're going to have another Junior Bacon Burger, and what do you think God cares about the burger compared to these kids? I was like, okay. I'll, and I remember God giving me a specific number. And the number was you need to you need to give a hundred dollars, which is all I had left in my bank account. And I knew I had offering, I knew I had insurance uh, coming out that week of one hundred and eighty dollars. <laughs> so I was going to go into uh, debt. So I don't know what was going to happen. I was eighteen. I didn't know about what happens when the when that happens in your bank account. But I remember God saying, "Give that hundred dollars." And so I walked to the bank machine. I took out a hundred dollars and they gave everything that I absolutely had because. God was laying that on on my heart. And I just stood at the front and I just prayed and said, God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm not gonna worry about my finances compared to what you're asking me to do with it. And I went back to my seat, and in my seat there was an envelope tucked inside my Bible. And I don't know I didn't remember I hadn't told anyone about this. I just this was an inside voice conversation with God and I, and I went to the front and I came back, and inside the envelope were nine twenty dollar bills, the exact amount that I would need for my insurance. Now, I was living at home. I probably could have talked to my parents. This was, I I was maybe going to have to pull my car off for the road for a month, which is not really a big travesty when you're 18 years old. But to me, it set in place a principle going, God, you've shown me that you're going to provide. And when I'm faithful to give, you'll order my world. Even when I'm at the very end, when I don't have enough to meet the bill that I have. Sometimes, God, miraculously provides for us but i'll tell you here's the other crazy thing if you think about this sometimes we need to be the one who sacrifices for someone else and somebody in that church that day heard from god and it wasn't about giving in the offering it was about you need to go tuck nine twenty dollar bills in this person's bible and you're not going to tell them who did it and i'm not even going to tell you why you're doing it (laughs) somebody did that and taught me a lesson about God that is now challenging us here in 2018. It's unbelievable the system that God set up when we would be faithful to say, God, I'm going to listen to what you're saying about giving. I'm going to be obedient to giving and then I'm going to change the way that I operate. And we're very intentional on these Sundays. We don't take offering after a message like this because this isn't about manipulation at all. We don't, we're not saying, hey, you need to give more because the church needs more. No, this is about us figuring out we will thrive financially when we, when we decide to live by the principles that God has put in place in his word. Do you know that the Bible doesn't challenge you or doesn't ask you to challenge God in any way, doesn't ask you to test God in any way except with your finances. It's the only time the Bible says, test God. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will not be enough room to store it. Do you have confidence that if you honor God financially, he will care for you? Or do you have more confidence in your own budgeting system and making sure that you have enough and then you give to God what's left over? Where's your confidence this morning? The financial principles of the kingdom, regardless of how much we make, are very basic. Tithe, be generous, and then trust. Matthew 6, 25 and 26 says this, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear is life not more than food and body not more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor they reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Dave Ramsey, who's been one of the, the pioneers of the Christian financial Uh, Movements and teachings, and he's helped millions get out of debt and thrive financially based on biblical principles. He says this: If you're if you're willing to live like no one else in terms of your budgeting and the way you live, the amazing thing is you'll be able to live and give like no one else, which has all been part of how he ordered his life. And we're going to respond with a reflection and a song, and the song is Faithfulness. God, you are faithful. And what the challenge is this morning? Would you? Would you take some time as we're singing this song and just trust that the God that created you, that knows you, that loves you is also the God that will be faithful if we would be faithful to him and honoring him. So we're gonna, we're gonna sing and we're gonna reflect and then we'll come back and close in prayer. Lord, I pray this morning for us as a group of people um, As a church, God, you are speaking to people right now about a different way to order their world. God, you are speaking to people right now about just having trust in a season where it feels like there isn't enough to meet the bills that are there. God, you're speaking to people right now who have something to give that they've been keeping in that you've called to push out. God, you're... Holy Spirit thank you that you speak to us individually that it isn't just one mess it isn't just one general message to one peop, one group lord it's individual individual voices and individual messages to our hearts and god i pray that right now we would have confidence that what you're saying to us is you then that it would be no other voice it would just be you speaking to our hearts right now and if if we need to walk away encouraged encourage us if we need to walk away challenged then challenge us lord god we come and we meet together and we study and we worship so that we would live differently so that we wouldn't do the same things that we've always done and get to the same place, Lord. We want to be different people. We want to be more and more like the people that you have designed us to be, like, like your kingdom is supposed to be established upon. Lord, help us to be those people. God, give us confidence that your word is true, that the principles you set out can be applicable for us today, that, God, that you will be who you have said you will be in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we go home and we have conversations in our, in our families, in our, in our homes, as we sit down and we examine our own financial world, Lord, help us, give us boldness to do the things that you've called us to do, to be obedient to you, Lord, to be generous, and Lord, help us see you in it all, Lord, recognizing it's not about us, it's about functioning in a system that you've created for us and honoring you and helping people see you and being revealed in the way that we function, Lord. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together and study your word today. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.